Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. doesn't feel like a Tuesday night. Not at all. Feels later in the week. Not in a bad way. Like, I'm not disappointed. Oh, tomorrow's Wednesday. And I refuse to call it hump day. This is that stupid camel commercial. I'm glad that trend died. Did it, though? Uh, somewhat. Somewhat it's died. But, I mean, some people still call it hump day. I mean... How long did it take for Waza to go away? The stupid Waza commercial. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I want it to go away. Oh, welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. I'm working off very little sleep. It's not some long dark night of the soul. It's not some existential crisis I'm dealing with. I just haven't been able to sleep well. So hopefully I'll get some good shut eye tonight. But joining me. For the first time on the show since the wedding is Eric. Yes. Now husband. Yep. Promoted from fiance. So how you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. So since we last saw each other, you've been on a honeymoon. I mean, yep. you've been sending me uh, some of the wedding photos. Yeah. They look fantastic. Yeah, they, they all turned out great. Heath and Amy did an awesome job. They really did. He's a great guy. Yeah. Shout out to Heath Stone, right? Is yes. his name? Yeah. Shout out to Heath Stone. Did a great job at the wedding. Um, it, it was such a whirlwind of a day that I kind of was like, okay, they're off. Um, they're off to do the honeymoon stuff. And yeah. It was St. Augustine, right? Right. Where is that exactly? Eastern Florida. Okay. Just south of Jacksonville. And, yeah, that's good to hear. Nothing crazy happened? Nobody got stung by a jellyfish or no, anything? No, no. I mean, it was late January, I mean. Right. It's not too crowded, probably. <laughs> yeah. It was nice, though, because uh, the um, night of lights thing, I don't... Hmm. It was halfway explained to us what it was, but it's just everybody puts up white lights and the whole town is lit throughout the night. And Wow, okay. Uh, the last night we were there, we took a little tour on one of those little enclosed electric vehicles and it was pretty cool to see the whole thing lit up like that. Now, I, uh, lights are a weird thing. They are. Like, yeah. I mean, light is, it's wonderful we have like lighting up here a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a vampire. Like, if you go to my room, ladies and gentlemen, I, I try to black out the windows and I might have a lamp on, but yeah. I don't... I like low-lit environments. I'm just like that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, light is an interesting, like, metaphor and thought, and I'll, I'll keep it simple in the sense that when I was a kid, I used to get very excited to go see Christmas lights with the family. Mm-hmm. And then I went through that angsty teenager, early 20s phase of like, oh, God, it's a perfectly great Christmas break evening. We're going to drive around in the car and go look at people's lights. <laughs> what are you doing to me, Mom? Yeah. 
And then now as I get older, I'm starting to try to see the meaning in things more. And so to hear you describe that's what was going on during the honeymoon, how, number one, how romantic. But number two, that's there's something about it. It's just, You can think of it as simple as, oh, people are putting lights out. Oh, well, great. In that cynical way. But it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. No, and, and St. Augustine which I think is the oldest town in America or whatever. Um, it's just really cool because we, we got to the bed and breakfast and we parked the car and we didn't use the car the entire time we were there. We walked everywhere. Mm. I mean, walked up to the bay, walked down, down the bay and walked uh, to the the fort, walked around the fort Every every place we ate, we walked to. It was it's just great, and everybody was so nice. It was it was really weird to have everybody that nice. I I miss being able to walk everywhere. Yeah, I, I we had it in Auburn, where I lived in Auburn, especially the last two years. I was able to walk to campus, walk to most restaurants and bars, only a couple blocks right off of Tumor's Corner. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, and I mean moving back here to Montgomery. Good luck. Like, I guess you could move downtown these days and maybe be able to walk all over the place at this point. But Montgomery is a city and most of the river region, you need a car. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I love my car. I'm in love with my car as the Queen song goes. Uh, machine of a dream, you know. But it's uh, it's something about being able to walk around and see people in your surroundings uh, it's an old professor I had. His big, simple prescription for making society like more connected mm-hmm. was create communities where you could walk everywhere. Yeah. Like, create the town square once again. I'm like, okay. Actually, I'm not usually big on these, like, communitarian, like, let's structure society a certain way. <laughs> that idea was like, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I've experienced it at Auburn. It's really good. So, to be able to do that, I mean, it's nice to do the any sort of getaway, but... I mean, y'all were, it's not like it was, I think, out of the ordinary. Y'all have already gone on trips before. You've done things together before. Yeah. No, this was just the honeymoon. Right. I mean, not to say it wasn't special, but it's, yeah, we go to Georgia, see your parents all the time. Right. Um, Coleman, um, her birthday weekend, we're going down to see her dad. Nice, Fairhope, I think. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's it's great. It was great to get away. Don't tell her, but I think I'm going to start talking crap about Mobile. Yeah. I don't actually have any animus towards Mobile. I just <laughs> know it'll piss her off. So <laughs> watch out, Emily, if you're listening. It's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, well, it's good to be back in the swing of things. Like, what would you say? So I mean, the yeah, you get the special occasion, but back to oh yeah, no, everyday I mean, like, life. The the foreboding, planning a wedding stress is gone. Right. So that's that's a relief. Now, before I forget, though, how are the puppies? They're huge. They're growing? Yes. Oh, my. It's, I have to look back at pictures because I see them every day. It's like, you know, when you see someone every day, they just wait. But I look back and see how small they were when we brought them home and then how big they are now. And they're tiny. Last time I saw yeah. them, they're growing. Yeah, though. you need to come out because they're okay. they're huge now. Okay, that's good. That's but, good. 
Yeah, one of the things that I really like, because I think it was Sunday afternoon, he sent us the link for all the photos. Yeah. Was there were so many things that happened that I didn't see or or didn't know about until after the fact. So that was, it was great to see the pictures and to see everything yeah, I haven't seen these photos. Yeah. These are wedding photos, so I'd like to see some yeah. of the incriminating evidence. Oh, yeah. Am yeah. I doing anything odd in those photos? Not that I know of. Good, good. I was trying no. to play it cool. I think I don't I don't think you were in many shot any candid shots. I right. think most of you were well, that's me. with us. That's the one thing I'm pretty good at. <laughs> be cool. Yeah. Not that I am cool. I'm just saying be cool. Like yeah. chill out, relax, just blend in to yeah. the, the wallpaper. It's funny. Uh, I got some... There was a couple of pictures. Uh, I think one where Rich and Emily were taking a picture. Yeah. And I just wanted to join in. So I'm like leaned over on Rich's back. Just got my head on his back. and Stuff like that. That's um, awesome. But yeah, it was fun. It was a great day. It felt like uh, the beginning... It, the beginning for you two. For you and Emily, of course. Yeah. But also it, it felt like... Uh, Seeing everybody together from the radio station, people I've had to, the chance to meet as mm-hmm. we got, like, your folks, like yeah. your parents. And uh, it, and excuse me, audience, it's Eric and I hadn't had a chance to sit down and talk since we saw each other yeah. that day. Uh, so I wanted to, to catch up a little bit. And, I mean, my mind's all over the place with lack of sleep. I've been trying to test it out a little bit. I've been watching. I, I think I'm going to accept a new challenge. I'll get into it a little later, pull up the list of like 10 classic books and some of them are like things I've read before but Mm -hmm. I need to revisit Uh, some are things I've never read but I'm interested to I'm thinking of like really trying to teach myself a lot more about psychology about the human psyche and and where we come from in terms of you know thousands of years and why people are the way they are and uh, it's and learn more about storytelling that's where I'm going yeah. So I'll pull up that list in a second. But, I mean, for instance, I read uh, Crime and Punishment in high school, Dostoevsky. But I think if I revisit it with my 30-year-old eyes instead of my 17-year-old eyes, it'll be a little um, more profound is one way to put it. Yeah. Because I, I heard somebody say this. Even if somebody says they're like a, an atheist or whatever, I think most people act as though God exists. Like this whole system, this history... Uh, that brought us to this point. I think if you really don't believe what's to stop you, and that's the whole point of crime and punishment, what's to stop you from stealing people and murdering people? And mm-hmm. I mean, if God is dead, then I mean, there there's a big problem there. It's not like a statement of, of joy. But anyway, that's where I'm going. That's <laughs> going to be my scholarship and reading, along with the everyday political news and silly news stories and I'm going to go away from trying to be profound and my projected scholarly attempts, and I'm going to go to a silly story here. Okay. I did not see this one coming. It's in Houston, Texas. Okay. Houston, Texas. An anonymous tipster. I'm not going to tell you what he found just yet, but let's just say this anonymous tipster tipped off the police, but he kind of incriminated himself. In the process, but it, he, it seemed necessary. Uh, let's just say he was uh, looking for a place to hang out and smoke some pot. 
Okay. He's by himself. I mean, which is pretty sad. Like, if you're smoking alone, if you're drinking alone, not ideal. Like, don't drink because you have to drink. Don't do drugs because you have to. The best way, like, it was an old uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, Chesterton quote I saw where he's talking about drinking. He said, don't drink if you have to drink. Mm -hmm. Don't drink because you must. And don't drink because you're obligated. Drink when you don't need to. Drink when it's not even like this smart move or you're having to think it through. No, drink when you're celebrating, like at a wedding. Yeah. And you don't need it because you're an alcoholic. It's just, oh, I'm having a good time anyway. Exactly. And even, I would have a good time if I didn't drink, but it elevates you a little bit. That's the right way to do it. I think the same applies to uh, marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, the wacky backy, the devil's lettuce, cannabis. And uh, this guy was looking for a place to uh, smoke. A rinky-dink house is where he found the place. He's like, okay, doesn't look like I knew his home. Looks like this place has been abandoned for a little while. Let me uh, let me go on inside. Okay, so he's he doesn't want to smoke at home? No, I'm not even sure of his backstory. Maybe he's homeless. Yeah. Or maybe he just needed to do a quick stop, quick, you know, puff. Okay. Chief a little bit before he you know, continues on his travels. Maybe he's a vagabond of some sort. Okay. Driving the country, but we'll find out more. But anyway, um, he initially thought this was a great place to smoke. But inside, <clears throat> this anonymous tipster found a thousand-pound tiger. And he thought he was hallucinating. Hmm. Which is like, what is in this weed? Exactly. My goodness. Somebody put, like, PCP or something in there? Like, my goodness. Okay, authorities went to the residential home and found the overweight female tiger in these deplorable conditions, caged in a garage. It's a rinky-dink cage, small cage. A pretty small cage inside, basically a garage and a house that didn't look like it was in the best shape. So it was important that we get it out of the situation. And they were able to extricate the tiger from this situation. Apparently, again, it's overweight, so it's been well-fed, but it needed uh, some water. We actually have uh, a news story about this. It's a very large tiger. It's kind of scary because when there's a tiger not here in Houston, it's not normal. They assured us that it wasn't the effects of the drugs that made them believe that they were seeing a tiger. So (laughs) first we thought it might have been a prank or they were high. She's pretty large, so she doesn't look underfed. She was thirsty. Um, wasn't especially threatening. They did tranquilize her right before they transported her. It's a beautiful, beautiful animal, and we want it to live a happy, healthy life. And living in a cage is not optimal circumstances for anyone involved. Now, the Houston Zoo has spoken. They already have two tigers, and they don't want any more. I'm thinking this was somebody's, like, it's Texas. Mm-hmm. So they smuggled in an exotic pet. I think Texas exclusively, you can have all sorts of weird animals. Like yeah. And I bet it was somebody's pet, and they didn't know what to do with it, and then just kind of left it there, which is very, very sad. Like, how how cruel we can be by being ignorant and just, like, pathetic. Like, yeah. it's not like the guy, I'm sure the guy who got the tiger didn't set out to, like, leave it some tiny cage abandoned, but that's where it led him. Like, you got to be Mike Tyson if you want to, Siegfried and Roy or something, if you want tigers. Yeah. Or be a zoo. I don't know. It's just a crazy, crazy story. But it's kind of fun that a stoner is trying to just have a quick puff 
and all of a sudden he runs across it. He's the guy who finds the title. Yeah. And it made me think, like, how many pot stories out there have I heard that have actually been tragic? I'm not saying they've been heroic. I'm not saying they're, like, something you should model your life after. I'm saying how many pot stories, even with it now being legalized in all sorts of states and medical marijuana being a thing, I can't think of... I can think of one that was tragic. I think a guy in Colorado tried an edible... And he got very disoriented, and he decided to go outside on the balcony several stories up, and he fell. Mm. I'm sure there are stories that didn't hit the news. Somebody was too high, and they drove and did something stupid. But the drug itself, in terms of, like, did anybody, you know, like, alcohol poisoning is a thing. People dying from heroin overdoses and any other assortment of drugs is a thing. Yeah. I mean, you can drink too much water and die, too. Yeah. You got to drink a lot of it. But I'm, most of the pot stories, if I'm remembering, are hilarious. Like, in 911 calls for, uh, for pot is usually very, very funny. Yeah, I can't. I was, I was the sober one growing up, mm-hmm. and all of my friends were... The ones who were experimenting and having fun, going to parties and all that stuff. And I was the guy making omelets, making sure they stayed fed and hydrated and stuff. And So you've always been kind of the caretaker. Yeah. So I, I don't ever remember anything bad. Hmm. I'm looking for a particular clip. I don't know if I can find it on the fly. But it was a guy who called 911. And he was, uh, yes. He sounded high. He <laughs> sounded like he smoked way too much weed in his life. Yeah. Like, you know, some of those older stoners you meet where it's, they're a little slower. Yeah. And it's like, okay, dude, you, you went a little overboard on this. This is not great. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he calls up and goes, 911, what's your emergency? Like, yeah, um, you know where I can find some marijuana? <laughs> and like, uh, sir, you do know you've called the nine one one. He's like, oh no, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but do you know? Who, oh, hey, I think I found it. Fire medical. Hi. Uh, where can I get some marijuana? Excuse me. <laughs> where can I buy some marijuana this morning? I. You realize that you called the police department. No, I didn't. <laughs> That's very interesting. Well, let me ask you the same question. It's a legitimate question. Which question is that? Where can I buy some marijuana this morning? I would have no idea, sir. You would have no idea. All right, thank you. You're welcome. But even though he's got a zonked out of his mind, how courteous he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's... That's, That's not awesome. a, a great, fulfilling, I think, fur- flourishing life. It doesn't. I can hear it in his voice. He's probably not got, the, like, again, the model life. But he's not, like, a menace to society. No. Like, oh, oh I'm sorry. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one I remember where it's a police officer and I think his girlfriend or something. Uh, and they took evidence that were, like, pot brownies. And ate it all. <laughs> and they called uh, 911, I believe, from... <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find the whole thing. Here, let's see. 
if this a is councilman it. from Dearborn, Michigan, is outraged over a 911 call. He wants to know why no charges have been filed against a police officer who admits to confiscating marijuana from suspects and then baking it in brownies. And once he and his wife were full <laughs> and high, they thought they'd overdosed and called 911. I think I'm having an overdose as so is my wife. Overdose of what? Marijuana. I don't know if it had something in it. Can you please send rescue? Did you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just, I think we're dying. <laughs> How much did you guys have? I, I don't know. We made brownies, and I think we're dead. Time is really, 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 really slow. Well, instead of being charged, Carla, instead of being charged, the police department let the officer resign. His wife was not charged either. So far, police officials have not commented on the case. Oh, wow. That's, uh, she was even laughing at it. That's right. That's hilarious. And who's that councilman who's like, some hard ass, like, oh, what, arrest them. Yeah. Like, dude. He should resign if he's a police officer. You're taking evidence, and yeah, that's yeah. not cool. But come on, that call itself. Yeah. It, this is what I mean. Most stories I hear about pot are not, they're just hilarious. Yeah. And a lot of fun. Um, I mean, there's one today that reached the presidential level. Really? Yes. And I'm bringing this up, folks, all this pot talk. Because I think we're now at the cusp of the federal government getting out of the way. They're either going to reschedule it or Congress is going to pass some new law that will essentially open the door where the federal government gets out of the pot enforcement business. Mm -hmm. There might be some remnants of that enforcement, but largely I think we're on the cusp of it. Where everybody, or at least most of the people now declaring as presidential nominees for the Democratic Party are saying they want full legalization nationwide. Kind of mm-hmm. like what Canada did. And I think Donald Trump, even though he's tough on crime, he has the support of police unions, and for some reason police unions, the unions, I've seen particular police officers who are advocates for legalizing it. I've seen plenty of them, but the unions are against legalization. Interesting. Interesting. I could get all cynical and question that, but yeah. I'll, I'll leave that alone. But uh, today, one of the Democratic, declared de- Democratic nominees, they're seeking the office of the presidency. She's a candidate now. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, however the hell you say her name. Okay. I like Kamala. <laughs> Because it reminds me of Hump Day. Oh, I didn't mean. <laughs> I didn't mean that, Kamala. I, that's not what I meant. Anyway, best-looking former Attorney General until Pam Bondi ended up, you know, being AG in Florida. She's hot. That's a hot AG. Like, she can arrest me anytime. <laughs> Go ahead and indict me, Pam. Feel free, even for pot brownies. <laughs> uh, but Kamala Harris, Kamala, claims. She was on the. It's a show called The Breakfast Club, um, and it's usually focused on black entertainment. But they do a sort of it's a general interest talk show, like a good fun morning show, and they usually have on guests. And it's a. It's I'll admit it's a very very good show. Uh, they're very interesting. They'll get all sorts of good insights out of people. They know how to question people to get them to start talking openly. They're they're very good at their jobs. And uh, Kamala Harris, I believe, was asked on the breakfast club this morning or yesterday if she had ever smoked weed. Now here's, before I keep going with her answer, 
Kamala Harris has a pretty clear history of being an enforcer herself. Like, very much against legalization. Like, she's from California, Mm -hmm. was fighting against legalization in that state. All these things. Like, she was always on the side of the war against pot. Yeah. So she's asked at the breakfast club, have you ever smoked pot? And she said, quote, I have, and I inhaled. I did inhale. It was a joint. She went on to say that, uh, hmm, what was you listening to? This is what they asked her after she said, I smoked a joint. What was you listening to when you was high? What was on? What song was on? And she quickly responded, definitely Snoop. Tupac for sure. (laughs) And she claimed she did this in college or maybe law school. Here's the problem. It's funny because I just read this article. Yeah. See, but this is how you present an article on the air. You don't just read it straight up. You kind of gild the lily, so to speak. Uh, But she's claiming, yes, I smoked pot. I inhaled, which always goes back to the Bill Clinton thing. Yeah. Bill Clinton didn't inhale. I believe him. And my source is the late, great Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens was in the same, maybe not the same class, but he was there at Oxford the same time as Bill Clinton. He knew of Bill Clinton. Uh They weren't like best of friends, but they were acquaintances. Oxford isn't a huge place. And he said, yeah, Bill didn't inhale. He consumed pot brownies. That's how Bill got his (laughs) pot. So Camel's like, yes, I inhaled, and the song that was on was some, definitely some Snoop or some Tupac, you know. Yeah. Like, how white is that? Like, Joey, <laughs> uh, what were you listening to the first time you got high? It's like, well, Snoop, yeah, Snoop, gin and juice, baby, yeah. all day, every day. No, here's the thing, though. She claims it was in college when she smoked this joint listening to Snoop and Tupac, but she graduated from Howard University in 1986. And was finished with law school by 1989. She was admitted to the State Bar of California in 1990. Snoop Dogg's debut album, Doggy Style, that's a good album name, (laughs) was released in 1993. Yep. So, Snoop had made music prior to that first solo album, appearing on Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic, but that was, The Chronic came out in 1992. Two years after Kamala is uh, already a lawyer. And Tupac, his first album was 91. A year after, she's already nowhere near school or college, as she claimed. So what the hell are you doing? Maybe it was laced with something. Maybe she had some time transference (laughs) experience. Yeah, maybe I saw the future, man. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, this is I think, going a little too far. Like, if you're running for the presidency of the United States, be honest. Like, did you smoke pot? No, I haven't. Some people haven't. Did you smoke pot? Yes, a few times. It wasn't a constant thing. But to be like, yeah, I smoked and I was listening to this stuff, like, you cool kids. It's like... No, now you're pandering. Please do not pander on pot. Advocate for legalization, that's what I want. But, my God, this is one effect of, I think, the prohibition. 
it's given marijuana a forbidden fruit aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So that when kids are told, don't you dare do it, and just say no to drugs, and this is like just as bad as like meth or heroin, because it's scheduled the same way, and mm-hmm. that's what the propaganda says about it. It's what the DEA says about it, and our governments have said about it for years. And kids try it, you know, taking a risk, and nobody dies. And instead, you get stories like the guy calling up 911 to buy it, and he's a little bit of a burnout, but very courteous. Or <laughs> cops saying, I'm dead, I'm dead, send yeah, emergency yeah. You know, teams here. People realize that, okay, number one, it's not as harmful as the people in power are saying. So, oh, what is that teaching kids and a whole generation or two of people? Well, at least on this issue, the government is full of crap. Yep. But it also creates the status of, don't you dare touch it. Like, after I turned 21, it was not the same. Drinking was not the same as when I was able to, you know, smuggle myself some beer or liquor when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Just not the same. I remember in high school, and I, I think I'd be 16 or 17, the first time I ever had a drink. Like a real drink, you know. Not drinking a beer or whatever with, you know, your dad lets you have a sip. Because you think, oh, I want to be a grown man. Here, here, have a sip, son. And it's like, that's disgusting. Why would you ever drink that? No, like an actual drink. And it was like this forbidden, I'm breaking the rules. Because my mom was really stringent about this stuff. So I had to hide it. And so it was an added thing. But once it was like completely legal, especially now when I'm 30, I don't even think about it that way anymore. At this point, I'm even like, I want a divorce from alcohol. Yeah, it's a task. It's not an enjoyment. Right. It's just, there's so much pain the next day. It's like, oh, and I think that's exactly what's happened with pot, except it hasn't ever, there's no age where it's been legal until recently. So a lot of people have this cool factor around it. Yeah, I'm counterculture, man. I'm sticking it to the man, man. Yeah. Like, and it's just ridiculous to the point that Kamala Harris feels it necessary to go, yeah, I smoke pot, man. Even though I was trying to lock people up and throw them in jail for it, I smoked and I was cool. I was listening to Snoop and Pac, man. <laughs> Odd. It's just, like, even, they can't even get legalization arguments right. Yeah. And it's, it, to me, it means that uh, this new presidential race coming up is going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I agree. I think electing Trump opened up a lot of doors for a lot of different people. Yes. And, oh, I think, I think that, I think it would have went either way, whether Hillary or Trump were elected then that this 2020 election is going to be really incredible yes i think it it will be where will people will be i think speaking more frankly than they ever had in a presidential campaign yeah well, that's I, I, the I trump don't think they'll be telling the truth no but. hell no <laughs> trump doesn't always tell the truth but i think people who voted for him know that yeah I'm like yeah he's hyper it's an old george i've said it before i'll say it again it's like an old george carlin joke about bill clinton uh that bill clinton is full of crap well at least he's honest about it <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of when i think of trump yeah half the time he's over the top he's hyperbolic he's sometimes full of crap but he's kind of honest about it like the way he presents when he's telling you something and he's exaggerating you're like well yeah i know he's exaggerating he knows he's exaggerating we'll go along for the ride yeah and i a lot of that'll be going on 
I mean, the one thing I can't stand, though, and we'll do this after the break, is doublespeak. Cory Booker. I've already covered him and his fake old drug dealer friend to show oh, how down with like the average person. Yeah, because the average person's a drug lord in New Jersey mm. named T-Bone. Give me a break. <laughs> how many T-Bones are voting, Corey? Good God. Uh, just, again, the way they pander, the way they try to show I'm an everyman. I'm just like you. Is It's sometimes so flat-footed and uh, ten-eared. It's just not... doesn't work. But Cory Booker had a whopper today where it was about... His, he was doing an interview with a vegan magazine, and he started talking about policy. And it's not so much that Cory Booker wants to up the price of meat or something like that. It's more the way he, in a double-speaking, mealy mouth manner, went about the interview. And that's what drives me freaking nuts. Mm. So, yes, I think people will be speaking more frankly. I think we're on the cusp of pot legalization nationwide, even in sweet home Alabama. Yes, it's coming, folks. I think most of you listening actually agree. I'll believe it when I see it. I wouldn't have said that seven years ago. I think the change has happened so much. Yeah. I think even most people listening on conservative talk radio are done with this issue. And I've seen people in my own life change on the issue. Um, it's just, I think the science has shown things. I think the experiments in other states are working. It's not utopia. Nobody ever claimed that. But freedom tends to work. And that's what I want to take Cory Booker to task for mm. that word freedom because i don't think you're allowed to use that word Corey. if you're gonna then say other things but we'll be right back folks hi uh where can i get some marijuana excuse me where can i buy some marijuana this morning i uh, you realize that you called the police department no, I didn't. That's very interesting. Well, let me ask you the same question. It's a legitimate question. Which question is that? Where can I buy some marijuana this morning? I would have no idea, sir. You would have no idea. Hi, right, thank you. You're welcome. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Well, folks, tonight we're talking about pot, but how most of the stories surrounding pot are funny. Now, yes, there are stories of people that smoke too much, and they don't die from it, but they they lose their ambition. Maybe they kind of sink into the couch. They could do a hole. That happens. My advocacy for freedom does not mean I advocate that you or anybody else in your family has to try this stuff. Or the people that want to do it and use their freedom are always in the right. I think you have every right to shame somebody. Tell them what you're doing with your life isn't worthwhile, especially if it's a friend or a family member. Go ahead. And I think once you start bringing the government and police action into it, there's a problem. And it's created all sorts of other problems. And I wonder if Cory Booker smoked pot. I doubt it. He's too goof troop. I think I don't want to see that guy high. He's already cheesy enough as it is. He'll just be making dad jokes relentlessly. Like, my God, Corey. But before we get into why I don't really like Cory Booker, just another example. 
Um, I, since the wedding, have continued with my weight training program. Been hitting it hard. I see you got that DDP shirt on. I've been doing the yoga, the DDP yoga, but then I've also been going to a new gym. Really? I signed up for, yeah. Express Fitness 24-7. And I'm going to the location on Zelda Road, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. Okay. And I love, it's in the name. It's 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Yeah. When you become a member, and it's pretty cheap and expensive, no contracts, once you become a member, you get a key fob. So you have access to the gym whenever you like. So there's that location in Montgomery, but there are locations all over the river region. Prattville, Millbrook, Wetumpka, Clanton, Pine Level. And you get access, and once you sign up, sometimes people feel like a fish out of water. Like, what do I do? I kind of signed up. You know, I'm on this new year, new me thing or whatever. Yeah. And they don't know where to begin. They'll actually help you out. The first few sessions, free. If you need a little bit of suggestion on where you should go and how you should begin. We welcome all types of folks, no matter your situation. And I've been hitting it hard, though. I've been essentially doing CrossFit-style workouts without having to go to a CrossFit gym. Yeah. That's what the Alex has been hooking me up with. And it it's working it's been kicking my butt <laughs> but i uh, i asked for that i'm really enjoying it and again the 24 7 aspect of it is phenomenal uh, i've never had to wait on machines or wait on equipment they have plenty of equipment i'm really doing more of the free weight stuff the power racks getting you know those big compound lifts deadlifts and squats but maybe you want to do a lot of cardio they have that there stair masters ellipticals Treadmills, all sorts of things. Row machine. I do like the row machine. Do a thousand meter <laughs> row to warm up. Feels so good. Um, but 24 hour security, video recording, safe, clean, friendly environment. Um, and again, free initial personal training. And you're not going to be locked into some year long contract. You can go try it out. Go try it out for a month. Just try it out. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. And I think it's more than not going to hurt you. It'll help you in the long run. You'll feel sore maybe the next day if you do some heavy lifting like I've done, but it's worth it. It's like I've accomplished something. And the cardio benefits of actually lifting weights are, uh, they're not talked about enough. Um, You can do yoga, and I'm still doing that. You can do running and all these things, but if you get in there, you start doing some lifts, you will be gassed like you've never been blown up. And it's, it's something I've now, once I get into the habit, it really becomes part of my day. And I don't feel right if I miss out. So I've been going often and whenever I need to because I have a wonky schedule. So, folks, if you want to find out more, go to expressfitness24.com, expressfitness24, like Jack Bauer.com. <laughs> you can learn more about your particular location, see what they have to offer there. Again, that is Express Fitness 24-7. Check it out. And tell them Joey sent you. Joey from the radio told you to check it out. So back to Cory Booker. He's doing an interview. Eric, with a, a vegan magazine. No, I I think you know. I am not a vegan. Is he a vegan? Yes. I already don't like him. Yeah, I'll skip to the end here, where he said his own path to veganism started out being for health reasons, not moral reasons. However, he realized five years ago that, quote, eating those eggs for me was something that didn't align with my spirit. And he became a full vegan. You know, if he had said eating, like, that cow, eating that chicken, I don't know, even eating that deer, eating pork, didn't jive with my spirit, it'd be one thing. But 
I'm not a chicken farmer. Like, I don't raise chickens. But I'm pretty sure that chickens will lay eggs. Like, unfertilized eggs. And it's yeah. not like you're harming the chicken. It's the thing. It's one thing chickens just do. They lay eggs. So why are you against eating the chicken? It's kind of like cheese and milk from a cow. It's like they produce it. Like I just some of it. It's like why? Why did you choose eggs? Harvesting eggs from chickens do not harm the chickens, especially if it's like chickens you're raising in your backyard. I just don't. Maybe I'm, I'm just ignorant of veganism, but I don't understand. I don't know. The, my knowledge of that, I know that they have like a, a there's a light system, so it simulates daylight and all that stuff. So if I remember correctly, they're on like a certain hour period time right. to where a, an actual day to them is like three days or something like that maybe pumping out more than one egg a day is harmful to the chicken i don't know i'm just trying to think in vegan terms by the way like i'm so freaking weird i would eat a fertilized Mm. chicken egg i think that's actually a delicacy in some places there are like duck eggs that are fertilized and it's weird looking but it's probably good in my Guesstimate. I don't know. That's that's one of those weird things. It's, it's like, weird. I'm a texture dude, and okay. it's like my dad will eat like a whole fried shrimp. Yeah, you won't. No, no, he'll eat like the shrimp tails. Of just oh, like, I don't eat the tail. What's wrong with your dad? Well, I, I love you, sir, but like <laughs> you eat the tail. I mean, he also eats like oranges and lemons. He eats the peel. Yeah. With the rind and everything? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's what about, like, watermelon or cantaloupe? I don't know. I've never seen him do that. Yeah, because that stuff's pretty bitter. He did mix eggnog with his Wheaties one time. <laughs> that, actually, that probably isn't bad. It's probably really sweet, but it's probably yeah. not too bad. But anyway, Cory Booker, he has... the. This to say to a vegan magazine, the tragic reality is this planet simply can't sustain billions of people consuming industrially produced animal agriculture because of environmental impact. It's just not possible as China, as Africa move towards consuming meat the same way America does because we just don't have enough land. You know, Corey, this argument goes back to like the 1700s. You know, Adam Smith, famous economist, Mm -hmm. he argued for the wealth of nations. We have free trade, free markets. He was arguing against another famous guy and many other people, but Malthus was the guy's last name. It's like, oh, no, we're in for some trouble here. We don't have enough, like, you know, we don't have enough resources to sustain the population. Hmm. And we're now, like, seven billion people later, and we're sustaining just fine because if you free people up to innovate... And to create things like industrial farming, it's amazing people find a way. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it could go on forever and ever necessarily. Things could go wrong. But I think free markets and letting people innovate and choose their own path has shown it sustains people. We're now we are bringing people out of abject poverty year after year where the number is astounding how well we're doing in helping lift people out from what has been most of human history. It's remarkable. And yet we have Cory Booker and, he, to be fair, others like him 
who are so wise because they've thought of, oh, they're like Thanos. You know, like, oh, I've seen the future and it's not enough uh, resources. <laughs> and now, luckily, Corey's not saying kill half the population, but there's this veneer of, he goes on to say, I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't want the government telling people what their diet should be. I believe in freedom because this is America. But then he keeps bringing up the environmental impact. So are you going to allow people freedom, Corey, until they are so successful they start up an industrial farm that feed millions? Or is it just the, the family farm or the small farm that's cool with you? And if you get too big, we'll regulate you. And at what point do you, because a lot of your colleagues, Corey, especially in the Democratic Party, want to regulate almost every aspect of the American people's lives and economic behavior, which is human behavior. It's Oh, it's like we have civil liberties and then economics has nothing to do with that. No, it's all liberty to me. So it, that's what drives me nuts. I believe in freedom, but. Yeah. And this is on the issue we were talking about earlier, pot. I believe in freedom, but you can't do that thing on your own time. Yeah. It's always, I believe in freedom, but here comes the big hairy butt around the corner. (laughs) And it makes you look like an ass when you do it. Because everybody's got their little exception. I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. Alabama is a very conservative state, and people talk a big game about free markets. But when it comes to my interests, can we make an exception? <laughs> can we use the government to make sure I'm more secure, even though that might sap other people's freedom and allow me to compete at, with an unfair advantage? Yeah, it's people are inconsistent. But to hear Cory Booker say, I don't want to tell people what to do, and I don't think he's going to point a gun from the government and make everybody be vegan. But I think he would advocate for certain, say, under the auspices of environmental policy and climate change, he would advocate for a lot of regulation and a lot of, let's just not call it freedom. And that's what's coming. You'll get these sort of inconsistent happy talk of, we're United States, we're free, we're brave, but we got to regulate you because life is so scary and you just can't do it. I kind of feel like he would add like a, a pleasure tax to beef. Yeah, right. Oh, I could see that coming. Tax yeah. beef. Yeah. Tax all sorts of things. <clears throat> Though, when you tax a certain thing, it's, it's interesting. It's like tax tobacco. So, w- people don't buy it. It's more expensive. But then you're also relying on the tax revenue from the tobacco like yeah. tax gasoline yeah but then if you're trying to are you trying to get rid of it or are you trying to fund the government mm-hmm. and also this is a inconsistency where it's like tax cigarettes tax alcohol tax trans fats tax whatever you want and in health policy that means you're disincentivizing that behavior or that product which okay yeah i agree you disincentivize things when you tax it But when it comes to other economic activity, like, you know, making millions of dollars or investing a large amount of money or setting up a successful private corporation or structure, then tax, oh, putting a tax on them at like 30 to even 70 percent, that won't disincentivize their behavior at all. (laughs) They'll be fine. Well, which is it? Which is it? I don't know. I, I just I'm looking forward to this 2020 election because some of it's going to be frustrating. But I think a lot of it, if I sit back in my nice little perch here on Earth, it's going to be a fun ticket to the freak show. Yep. 
like the wrestling, I love like sports entertainment, pal. Okay, Vince. <laughs> but wrestling has nothing compared to a presidential election. People become like more emotional, like their ability to double think, like hold two contradictory ideas or yeah. be hypocritical. Hypocrisy is a virtue in politics, so I'm not really casting blame in a particular group. It it just becomes amazing. It's always there in politics, but when we're looking at the presidency, it becomes this over-the-top, almost spectacle. I don't know how healthy that is for our freedoms and our liberties, but that's what it's become. Big reality show. I'm curious, are we going to like feel it when we shift into that idiocracy style? I think it's kind of like you with the puppies. Yeah, we better start taking pictures and remembering our history, like recent history, yeah. not just World War II. And because I think it's already happening, it really is. Like we need actual snapshots to go. Oh, they have become. They've gotten much bigger. The puppies are they're becoming full grown dogs. But yeah. in this case, oh, we are becoming more and more idiotic. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, I, I mean, so who will be the biggest ding-dong to become the idol of morondom in the White House after 2020? That's my question, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between. I don't know. But while all that's going on, I really am going to start looking into more great books to read. Yeah. Inform myself. If I can't change the world at the ballot box, which I think is a fool's errand. Anyways, you know, try out some books. Came across a really cool reading list. People like Carl Jung. There's one a book called Answer to Job, where he analyzes the story of Job in the Bible mm-hmm. and what it says, not just about Yahweh and that, or is that the correct name anymore? I don't know. Uh, that's what it was when I was growing up. Funny how those things change. <laughs> interesting. Um, interesting. But it's he's analyzing it from what is, in human experience, looking at other stories throughout history, what is that that book about? in the first place Mm -hmm. like why would god allow this to happen to this guy and there there's a standard lessons we get from that book you might get in a theology class or a bible study but he kind of takes it to a different level of what does this mean about god what does it mean about man's relation to god and i'm like well i'm down to read that book i might not agree with it but that sounds awesome Mm -hmm. uh there's another one shamanism archaic techniques of ecstasy. This one guy looked at all sorts of shamans throughout the world, and what are their common traits? Okay. I want to check that out. That sounds Hmm. awesome. But um, I'd keep going, but I'm out of time. Oh, man. Thank you for joining me, Eric. Thank you for letting me.